Welcome, everyone. This is Chris Tubbs, President of the California Fire Chiefs Association. And today's podcast, uh, we again have Chief um, Alex Hamilton from Oxnard Fire with us to talk about a very timely issue, a piece of legislation that he has been working on uh, relative to an experience that they have been uh, navigating. And so today we're going to talk to Chief Hamilton about this and talk about, you know, sort of what was the genesis of this, what led to the legislation, what are they hoping to accomplish through the legislation. And with that, first of all, let me welcome my good friend, uh, Alex. Alex, thanks again for joining us and for all the work that you're doing. Um, and I'll kick it over to you just to start off with, maybe uh, say hi to everyone and tell us a little bit about your community, what's kind of going on, and maybe what led to ultimately what some of us would call the Oxnard decision. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And Chris, I thank you again for the for the time and, and um, very happy to be able to uh, participate in a, in a podcast for uh, Cal Chiefs again. So um, thank you. And I guess just to provide a little bit of background, and and um, it, it's um, not not really an honour, I guess, to uh, to now have a case that I I initiated called the Oxnard decision. But uh, here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but so uh, j- just so people understand, uh, the city of Oxnard has essentially um, contracted for ambulance service. Um, you know, if, if if I can just provide a little bit of background, we've we've contracted for ambulance service since the late forties. Um, and then in, in the 1970s, um, the, the, the county venture and, and the cities in the county venture all decided to try and put a little bit more organization to it. So, so everyone signed on to a joint powers agreement back then. Um, uh, so the city of Oxnard was a part of the, the initial signatories in 1971. And then in 1976, Simi Valley was the last city to come on board. Uh, but we were, we were all part of this joint powers agreement and, and essentially, we delegated our our um, our powers to the county um, to to contract that ambulance service. So there has essentially been contracted ambulance service uh, here in Oxnard since the 1940s and on a continuous basis. What we did find, though, was um, as ambulance companies uh, consolidated, and certainly that started in our county in in 2010 uh, when the the ambulance company. Uh, here in Oxnard, w- was bought out by by a surrounding agency or a surrounding ambulance company. Uh, we started to see just a, a, a sort of slow uh, degradation in the level of service that our residents were receiving, um, and and this this continued to continued to uh, get worse uh, as the years went on, um, to the point where we were making a lot of noise about this, sort of starting in 2015, 2016. Um, again, not seeing much in the way of um, a change in the level of service our residents were receiving. Up until that point, we didn't have, the Oxnard Fire Department did not have an ALS program. Um, but things were getting so bad, uh, we had units waiting on scene without any uh, paramedic help uh, for way too long, to the point where um, my predecessor and the Oxnard City Council agreed to um, uh, contribute money towards starting an ALS program. So that program was started in 2018. Um, and originally it was, uh, we initiated that just in out of one station in the south end of Oxnard. Um, that area of, of our community is, is um, uh, more dense in terms of uh, low to moderate income residents. Um, and so that's where we thought the best place was to get the most bang for the buck, to have a medic being able to arrive on scene in a more timely manner. 
Um, we we worked um, with the EMS agency. We, we worked with the with the ambulance, the private ambulance company, on this issue. Um, what we found, though, and and I was horrified to learn that um, response times for the ambulances actually got worse in that area after we started our ALS program. They essentially moved their ambulances away from our medics. Um, because they were the ambulance company was automatically given an extra two minutes to respond, even though we did not have a subcontractor agreement with them. Um, and so, so that was an ongoing source of frustration um, to the point where we decided to go down the road to look at what of our what our alternatives were. And based on the documents within the joint powers agreement, the, the foundation documents within the joint powers agreement, uh, we saw an opportunity to leave that uh, joint powers agreement and initiate our own uh, municipal ambulance service. Um, the Oxnard City Council supported me in that decision. Um, and so once we'd done our, our system evaluation and, and we, we planned this so that it would happen at the end of the existing provider's 10-year contract. So it was going to be the least disruptive way that we could uh, exit the JPA. Um, and so we gave them 180 days notice just a little bit more. We gave them a six-month notice leading up to the end of that um, contract, um, which was in line with, with what the Joint Powers Agreement said, how you were supposed to leave it, that, that particular JPA, um, only for the county to then provide the existing ambulance company with new contracts, new five-year no-bid contracts. Um, and that was where, unfortunately, we, we ended up in litigation uh, that ultimately resulted in the Oxnard v. County of Ventura decision. So, so Alex, when you entered into that litigation, would it be fair to say that you and your team hadn't even considered that the 201 rights would be an element of the the litigation or the ultimately the decision? Um, you know, what was really the foundational basis for? the lawsuit, what was trying to be resolved? Yeah, well, uh, um, at that time, uh, we because uh, that we'd been contracting um, or providing that service for as long as we had, um, uh, we, we had the, the assumption that uh, we very much had 201 rights. And so by virtue of the, the county um, providing new contracts to the existing providers, uh, we thought that was uh, very much an infringement on on our rights and on our ability um, to provide uh, equitable service to our residents. You know, we have, if you're poor in, in my city, you're twice as likely to wait for an ambulance. And the poorer you are, the worse that statistic gets. And that's just not right. As as somebody that's sworn to protect the, the public here in this city, that that's just not right. And and so and and our city council agreed, and that's where we decided to to take the steps that we did. After trying to work with the county over this issue, we just could not come to an agreement, and ultimately, that's where we ended up in litigation. Well, it certainly you know treads on an area I know you and I have had some discussion offline about, but local control, right? Right now, the way our system is set up in the state of California is those decisions are made at a county level. And so your your particular situation to me is interesting in that here you've identified um, a service um, problem um, and you want to be able to address it. 
And should a local community not have the ability to do that, especially if they're funding it, um, should they not be able to provide that service to address that need? As you say, that's, that is the, you know, the, the mission of local government. It's, it's our primary responsibility. Uh, so when the Oxnard decision came out, just remind our listeners, you know, what was the decision fundamentally? What came out of that case? Yeah. So, so basically, uh, what the court said um, is they, they didn't. The court did not weigh in on whether or not the city had two hundred one rights. They sort of left left that question on the shelf. But what they did say was that if we had two hundred one rights, we gave them up when we joined the joint powers agreement. Um, and if that wasn't the case, um, that the joint powers agreement essentially became irrelevant when the EMS Act was um, that went into effect um, in 1980. And so, so those, um, those two components just don't seem to make sense. And, and, and we really believe that the, the court's got it wrong in this case. Yeah, and, and are you aware of any other uh, court cases that um, sort of ruled in a similar way to your case relative to 201s and JPAs? Are, um, are you aware of any? No, we're, we're not aware of any other cases where where the courts have ruled um, on this, and and certainly um, I think my EMS attorney may have a different take on that. But certainly nothing nothing as consequential as this case, um, where where the, the courts I I really don't think sort of weighed um, um, weighed out what what was at stake here in, in, in terms of local control and in terms of the existing precedents that 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 exist. Um, uh, and, and the way the JPA Act was, was written, it, it was never, it was never intended to be, um, JPAs were never intended to be dissolved by, uh, by an act of legislation. Um, and certainly the, by definition, it's a joint powers agreement where we're sharing our, our powers or in our case, delegating our powers to the county. But obviously you, you don't, you're not supposed to lose those powers. And so. Um, one of the other issues that creates is the courts have never weighed in on a 201 issue for somebody to look at joining a JPA. You know, so there's this idea that, well, you just you, 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 you put in those founding documents that you're not giving anything up. But the courts have never actually ruled on whether that whether that applies when it comes to 201 um, and, and so and whether some kind of waiver would actually hold up. And so. That's the other issue that we're trying to address um, with our legislation that that um, um, that Assemblymember Bennett has um, has authored. So after this this decision, I think we all, you know, certainly at Calchis, were aware of of you know some of the um, fallout from that, and maybe you could talk about that because of the work, you know, certainly in your community's um, circumstance, but I, I'm sure through the league as well. Uh, these issues of the Oxnard decision and then future JPAs. What what has sort of been the effect that you've seen in the conversations you've had with others? Certainly, for for folks that that are aware of the decision, um, because obviously there there are some that that aren't aware of the decision. It's it's had very much had a cooling effect on on joint powers agreement broadly. Um, I know there's been. Um, uh, there was a talk of a, a training JPA out of Fresno County that uh, that has, has sort of been put on the shelf, and so there's there's been some something of a cooling effect on on JPAs just in general. But then more specifically, when it comes to EMS service, 
Um, it, it's had a very significant cooling effect because obviously um, jurisdictions want to make sure that whatever they're going into a JPA with, they have the ability to to leave again um, as circumstances change or, or as the, the Joint Powers Agreement um, is no longer serving a purpose. <clears throat> and so uh, an example of that um, is, is one we've seen up in Mendocino County um, where the city of Ukiah was was looking at joint, um, becoming part of a joint powers agreement. Um, they're currently a 201 uh, transport provider for the city of Ukiah, um, and they were looking to join a joint powers agreement to actually improve ambulance service over all of Mendocino County. Um, and then once this court decision came out, it it really, they've, they've sort of had to step away from, from this issue because it, it it could have the potential detrimental impact on the residents of Ukiah that currently get um, uh, very good service from uh, from the from the city and from the fire department for ambulance transport. Yeah, it, would, it, it certainly strikes me as being um, an odd decision in that whether you have you know clearly have two hundred one rights or there is a question. Uh, and, and I think about the Oxnard case relative to sort of that issue. And it's, it's, you know, do you, do those rights transfer in a JPA or not? And when you leave the JPA, do you lose those? When we think of, you know, LAFCO and we think of JPAs, you know, we just got through with an annex, another annexation here in my area. And, you know, obviously LAFCO, uh, part of their mission in reducing urban sprawl is to look for these opportunities of economic and operational efficiency. And here we have a court decision that runs counter to that in some ways, or certainly, you know, I like the way you phrase it, it cools, you know, any interest in that because of the potential of, you know, loss of uh, your rights or the loss of uh, certain values that you enjoy as an independent agency that would strike me as to be very, very concerning and certainly not in the best interest of the communities that we that we serve. So, you know, right now, um, obviously, as you have been um, living through this experience um, and working to see if there is a resolution, I think we all certainly in Cal Chiefs, you know, believe that the court got this decision wrong, or certainly it had at a minimum some unintended consequences. Um, but you've been working on some legislation. Uh, maybe you could talk about that you know, how how sort of big is the scope of this? What are you trying to um, accomplish with it? Um, and, and I know that there has, you know, certainly last year there was a piece of legislation that was floated and uh, it did not end up, um, you know, making it through the legislative process. Certainly caused some, um, uh, boy, how, how to best say, I guess, some controversy, certainly a lot of misunderstanding. And, and I know that you've, You've certainly taken the lessons from that and are applying them in this. But talk about the legislation that you've been working on with Assembly Bill 1168. Yeah, so um, so we've been working closely with our, with, um, our, our local elected official assembly member, uh, Bennett, on 1168. And, and really the, the goal is, is sort of twofold, is, is, is to rectify the issues that it's created for us here locally and, and trying to... Um, uh, sort of be able to assert some amount of local control over how ambulance transport is managed here in the city of Oxnard. Um, but then 
more broadly <clears throat> is to sort of uh, work on undoing the, the negative impacts uh, around the state, uh, particularly for jurisdictions like the city of Ukiah and Mendocino County, where 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 th- this has created a real cooling effect and ultimately to the detriment of the residents in the rest of Mendocino County because they could arguably already be receiving better ambulance service were it not for this decision. And so you know, I think I think the important thing, um, because I know you, you referred to um, um, SB 443 last year, um, that was the, the legislation that um, that was initiated last year that ultimately um, didn't move, didn't move forward out of the health committee. Um, and so this uh, piece of new legislation, AB 1168, is is really much more narrowly focused, and so it isn't um, it isn't some um, uh, it isn't a massive piece of legislation in terms of the scope. Um, you know, there's uh, we've identified approximately 62 JPAs um, that cover EMS issues. Um, the the vast majority of those though don't involve ambulance transport, and so they're they're dispatching and, and things like that. But uh, that was already covered recently where, where dispatch is, um, uh, can't be privatised. And, and so, so it, it won't have an impact on, on any of those. Um, we believe we've narrowed it down uh, to uh, there's, there would be, well, including Oxnard, I guess, there would be 10 joint powers agreement that have the potential to be impacted by this. Um, and that's... Um, and we're looking at the implications for each one of the other nine uh, joint powers agreement in the state um, to to try and make sure that we don't uh, there, there isn't any unintended consequences here. And so um, it, it's only a, a very small handful of joint powers agreements that that will potentially have any impact from this legislation. Um, but I think one of the things that that we put in this legislation um, uh, that, that I think is important to note. Um, and Assemblymember Bennett was um, uh, was very unequivocal on this, is making sure that whatever were to happen in the jurisdiction leaving a joint powers agreement, that that areas around that, that jurisdiction aren't negatively impacted. And so I'll just take a minute to explain what that means for us here locally. Oxnard is a part of Ambulance Service Area 6, um, so it includes us, but it also includes the city of Port Wainimi, and then some unincorporated county areas, um, Silver Strand, and then El Rio, Nylon Acres, and it actually um, um, ASA six extends, sort of hugs the coast all the way down to the the county line with LA County. Um, and so, so uh, Assembly Member Bennett wanted to make sure that um, in our case, that none of those areas would be impacted if the city of Oxnard were were to leave the, the JPA. Now. Our experience at the time, when we had, when we had noticed the county that we're leaving the JPA, uh, we had actually built deployment models um, to be able to provide service for the rest of ASA six, and it would have been a higher level of service than they currently currently receive because we would have had uh, more ambulances available, and none of those ambulance those ambulances would have been one hundred percent dedicated to nine one one response, and none of them would be doing intra facility transfers or anything like that. Um, and so we were ready to do that at the time. But what this legislation does is sort of builds that into the legislation, builds it, it's sort of a fail-safe, if you like. And so essentially, if if a jurisdiction were to leave a joint powers agreement, um, that the the 
the county EMS agency could offer a contract to the existing provider, basically a first right of refusal. Um, if if they if the the existing provider didn't want to cover the rest of that area, um, then the county could could create um, a, a separate agency to do that. They could contract with their county fire department to do that, or even contract with another private provider to cover that service. Ultimately, if none of those um, options work out for the county and they determine that it's not economically viable uh, to provide service to that remaining area, then the jurisdiction leaving the joint powers agreement uh, would provide that service. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I guess the, uh, to put it in, in basic terms, it's uh, if you break it, you buy it. Uh, mm. um, so it, that way it, it ensures that um, no one is going to be left um, without um, good equitable ambulance service um, if, if you're to leave the joint powers agreement. Yeah, I, and I know one of the things from last year's legislation that was some concern, certainly from our emergency room physicians and our LEMSA directors, was medical control, right? And there was a an initial perception, at least, that the fire service was trying to take over medical control, which, of course, I think we all acknowledge we don't not only do we not want that, it doesn't appropriately belong with fire chiefs, it belongs with our physicians. Um, and I know in this legislation, you've addressed that as well, probably in, in about the clearest way, I think, possible. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and I think that's also a very good point to make, because I know there was there was um, significant concerns around uh, medical control when when SB four four three was published last year and 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 it it says it very specifically in this legislation that this has nothing to do with medical control and certainly the medical director um, uh, for the EMS agency um, is absolutely the appropriate person to decide uh, what the equipment is what kind of procedures uh, that that we're allowed and and what kind of drugs we're allowed to administer those those are absolutely decisions that that um, uh, belong in a, in a physician's wheelhouse, and certainly the medical director is is the appropriate person to be doing that. So, so hopefully that um, I, I would like to think that pro- provides reassurance for the medical directors um, up and down the state that this is nothing to do with medical control, and certainly they they should be able to maintain their independence um, um, regardless of of this joint powers agreement. We are just looking for uh, more equitable ambulance service um, for our most, um, well, for everybody in our city, but particularly our um, economically disadvantaged neighbourhoods and residents. So, so as you've been working, you know, on crafting this language, and I know you've gone through a lot of different iterations, uh, certainly working with the assembly uh, member's office, um, I would imagine in the course of that work and conversations, um, you're running into some folks who maybe are opposed or have at least expressed concern. Um, what have you heard? You know, what are the areas that, you know, folks might be most concerned about um, with this legislation in either the language that you've already written or in their perception of what might be in the bill? Yeah, I think there's, um, I, you know the, the the bill was only published um, a couple of weeks ago, and so there there hasn't been a, a, a huge amount of I haven't heard a huge amount of of any uh, opposition or what the opposition is saying. I think the the fear is, and this comes up any time we talk about two hundred one rights, is that there's there's some kind of power grab 
or, or where, you know, we, and I, I, when I say we, sort of collectively the fire service are, are, are trying to give more jurisdictions to our one rights than, than that have never had them before. And, and, and that's simply not the case. This is, um, we are really trying to uh, narrow the focus of this legislation, uh, particularly after the lessons we learned last year, to really focus on, on this court decision and, and the fact that we, we just think the court's got, got this one wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's it's not good public policy. It doesn't take care of um, um, of all of our residents in an equitable fashion. And 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 so and and I think if if people are actually to read the legislation and really look at it, they can see that it it is very specific. There is no power grab going on here. I, I don't think that the, there's anywhere in that you could misconstrue it as a power grab. But that's that's one of the pieces that I've heard that. Um, uh, again, I, I would encourage people to read the legislation. It's not that wordy, you know. It's a, it's a couple of pages long. Um, certainly, Assemblymember Bennett has uh, has a fact sheet on this that that breaks it down very simply. Um, but it, this is just trying to correct um, a, a court decision that was wasn't right in our opinion. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, in that same vein, as you know, um, Cal Chiefs has been um, working to. Um, I guess sort of set, for lack of a better description, set up a meeting with MDAC and even our Lemsted directors to talk about now that we have the final language um, to hear, you know, what concerns they may have or may not have. You know, we've not had that conversation yet. Um, and I think, you know, that's an opportunity, at least for the leadership team to sort of sit down, talk through those issues. If there are issues that um, we may not be aware of, from their experience or perspective, good to know. Uh, and likewise, I think, you know, certainly our objective in this is to say, hey, we, you know, we want to share this experience in in Oxnard and, and uh, you know, because of our commitment to ensuring that our communities all get the same level of service um, and this court case and how those things kind of came, you know, together uh, to produce this outcome, which is not certainly not ideal for, you know, your residents. Um, what are the next steps in, in this process? So obviously the bill has been generated, it's been submitted legislatively, sort of what are the next steps? Um, well, Chris, before I answer that question, you, you raise an interesting point. Um, when, when we talk about sort of the medical directors, and I know uh, Caltech has been doing a fantastic job of really working collaboratively um, with CalAMSA, with MDAC, with MSAC, and re- really trying to um, Sort of find the areas where we where we have agreement on, and I really applaud you and and um, uh, past president uh, Geik on on your work on that because I think I think it is really important to note. And and the one thing I want to say about this legislation, it's about improving patient outcomes, and every medical director should be interested in wanting to improve patient outcomes. And I, I will tell you that I think there is adequate value within the system in the city of Oxnard where we can create, uh, instead of having this eight-minute time standard that we currently have 90% of the time, I believe for the most critical calls, Delta and Echo calls for us, the most critical calls that we could have an ALS resource on scene, whether it's, whether it's an ambulance, uh, ambulance uh, paramedic or a fire department paramedic, we can have one of those two representatives on scene within five minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's when we're going to change patient outcomes. And I believe we can create that standard 
within the, the current the the current system, and there's enough value to be able to do that. It would cost money, yes, but I think we can do that. And what that does is it dramatically improves patient outcomes. It dramatically reduces the cost on the healthcare system, reduces the amount of days that people have to stay in the hospitals. These are the kinds of things that I think every medical director in the state would be interested in. I I would assume. So, um, and so I, I just wanted to, to leave that piece with you there. I know you are you are engaging with uh, with MDAC and the medical directors around the state. Um, but to sorry, and I, I digress a little bit. But to answer your question, um, I will tell you that um, uh, next steps is uh, we are we we are looking for people that that have issue with the legislation to hear what those issues are. Uh, we met with. Um, the government affairs uh, representative and and the lobbyist group for the county of Ventura last week uh, to hear their concerns to see what changes that they might be um, uh, wanting to suggest uh, to get them more comfortable with the legislation and and so that's sort of the outreach we're doing right now. We are going to be engaging with the health committee. Um, this bill will be assigned to the health committee. The health committee has has a lot on its plate this year, um, this legislative session with APOT times and, and a number of other bills. Um, and so, but we, we are working to engage with the health committee um, and see whether, and obviously this is legislation, so the likely there'll be some changes, there'll be amendments. And so um, really trying to work collaboratively with the different stakeholders to get us to a place where we can provide equitable ambulance service to all residents. So if, if there are others out there in the audience, whether they are in a JPA or concerned about a JPA, um, where, where could they go maybe to get more information? Certainly don't want to overload, you know, your email or phone with, you know, folks sort of saying, Hey, uh, I'm going to reach out to Chief Hamilton, but where could folks go maybe to get a little bit more information, uh, beyond what we've talked about today? Yeah, so there is there is information um, uh, on on the, the California Legislature uh, website. You can just Google AB eleven sixty eight. You can get to to where it currently sits. Um, and certainly, um, um, I I would happy to entertain emails. Um, I I don't know how quickly I'll get back to all of them because <laughs> uh, obviously we are we are always busy. Um, I know Assemblymember Bennett's office would be very interested in hearing what. Um, uh, what people think about the legislation, if they think that there are changes needed, it's certainly um, we we want to engage with with everybody who who has an interest in this because um, I'm sure there are other um, members of, of JPAs around the state that would be interested to see um, where this legislation is going and, and what the impact it could have. But like I said, we we believe that there's um, it it should really only have any kind of impact and then a minimal impact on nine other joint powers agreement other than the ones that Oxnard is a party to. Well, I know a lot of folks out there in the audience, uh, and rightfully so, perhaps can't, um, you know, sort of fathom the the uh, investment that you've made, the depth of um, work uh, and uh, contribution in this, um, in this, certainly in this legislation. But, you know, as a as a chief who, you know, also takes, uh, you know, my responsibility to serve my community uh, to the very best of my ability. You know, I really applaud um, the work you're doing to try and ensure that every citizen inside Oxnard receives, 
you know, high quality service, which like you said, I think all of us in the pre-hospital care environment, you know, patient outcomes is what this is all about. And that's what is the goal here. Um, I guess just before we we close, you know, is there anything that we've not talked about that you think that is relevant or important to um, certainly what your experiences are and then subsequently this this legislation? I think that, you know, again, when I think about this in terms of patient outcome and I'm thinking about your experience, what you've gone through, the decisions you've made, and now ultimately this piece of legislation, you know, I think there's a lot for us to learn from that. Um, so I'm sort of curious, your you know, kind of maybe some of your closing thoughts or issues that we've not addressed. You know, I, um, I really hope that if, if nothing else comes out of this legislative push, um, we get to a deeper understanding of what is needed um, in our system. There, there has been a complete, not a complete, there has been a lot, uh, a lot lacking when it comes to reform of pre-hospital care. Um, and, and I think part of that is the EMS Act, while very well-intentioned and served as well for quite some time, um, is, has, has now created some pretty significant issues that, that, that I think all of us are struggling to deal with. Um, but ultimately, we, we need to get back to a focus on patient care, on patient outcomes. And, and how do we do that? Because I, I, um, honestly, I, I, I struggle with the notion that, that all I'm trying to do is take care of my poorest residents. And this has been an incredibly difficult thing to accomplish. Yeah. And it, it shouldn't be this hard to do what we're trying to do. And, and so if, if, if nothing else, if, if ultimately this uh, 1168 proves un- unsuccessful, and I, and I truly hope it doesn't, that, um, that it, we can push the conversation further along and get us to a point where we can get equitable ambulance service for all, regardless of where you live or your socioeconomic status, none of those things should have any impact. Certainly, as a fire chief, it doesn't have an impact on, on the level of um, fire protection services um, that we deliver. And, and, and I think the same goes uh, for ambulance service. And, and the other thing, Chris, that I would say that, uh, you know, obviously my hope is that this legislation um, is successful and it ultimately ends up with the governor's signature um, at the le- end of the legislative session. I'm, I do not want to go it alone. Like we, we, we did decide to leave the JPA. We did make that call. Um, and that's not like that is not something that I want to revisit if I can uh, absolutely avoid it, because ultimately we're better um, here in, the, in Ventura County. We have a phenomenal cooperation as an operational area. Um, we work very closely with the ambulance companies out on the street and 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 our, our my personnel work very well with them. Uh, but the fire agencies here in the county uh, are incredibly close and constantly um, uh, uh, are working with it, within each other's jurisdictions. And so that's, that's the kind of collaboration and the cooperation that I would like to see um, um, regardless of the outcome of this legislation. I, I really do believe that we, we're, we're better together. We've just got to figure out a way to make that happen. Well, like I've, I've said many times before, I, I, I really um, applaud and have deep respect for the work that you're doing. You know, the easiest path would have been to just avoid it you know, to allow someone else to do it. But, you know, sometimes, as you said, doing the right thing, you know, is surprisingly difficult, but it's the right thing to do. Uh, and and again, as someone who has watched from the sidelines and, you know, had many dialogues with you, 
Um, I, I really, really um, appreciate and applaud, you know, the work and the commitment that you've made and the sacrifice um, and look forward to watching this uh, piece of legislation unfold. And on top of that, I also appreciate, you know, that you've come back a second time, um, taking time out of your day to do a podcast, you know, for us and for our audience. Um, that's not lost on me either. You've got a lot of things on your plate so I'm I'm really grateful again, Alex, for um, just taking time to kind of walk us through this, help us understand from you know your perspective what led to the uh, ultimately the court decision, and then now you know this piece of legislation. How do the pieces connect? What's the logic between those? And you know certainly I I, I believe our audience will come away with a better understanding uh, of all of this, and and it's because you've taken the time to spend with us to walk us through that. So thank you. Uh, yeah, Chris, and, and honestly, I, I can't thank you enough. As you know, um, sort of sitting at the top of an organisation could sometimes be a, be a lonely position to be, and I can tell you that um, uh, going through litigation is, is also a very lonely place to be at times. But but I, I, I will tell you that without the without the support and the collaboration of uh, the California Fire Chiefs Association and indeed the California League of Cities and the California Professional Firefighters, all of whom were, were um, uh, strong advocates when we went through the litigation, have been strong advocates going through uh, the legislative process. Um, we, we um, certainly, I would not be in the position that that I have been in, um, and um, and would not would not have had the the same platform to highlight the issues that we're having in our jurisdiction. Um, so I I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to come and speak speak with you and speak to the membership of, of Cal Chiefs. Um, and, and I sincerely hope, like I said, that that, um, that ultimately we have a positive outcome in this case. Well, I certainly will look forward to bringing you back after we get through the legislative period, you know, where we can debrief this, figure out where things are at and, you know, what's the next step. And I think, you know, to your point, it'll also be interesting to see, you know, once the However, the legislation comes out, if it, it is implemented either as it is or in some other form, then what are the effects of that? Um, I, I think that's always sort of a fascinating thing. But again, Alex, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today. Yep. Thank you, Chris.